This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the quarantine ziggurat in Omaha. And don't kid yourself, no matter what Mike Pence says, it's not safe to go out yet without a mask. Deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 578 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast, Nerds. I am your first head by introduction only, and my name is Matt Bob. And I am head number two, better known as the Internet's Joe Patrick. This week, we return to the grim and gritty business of reviewing new comics before COVID shuts everything down again in the next month or so. Oh, you know it's going. After that, it's up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll tell you all about what we're reading next week. And finally, the comic pushers return to help a nerdy gal looking for some new addictive reads. Now, Joey, I don't want to hear any complaining about this new comic business in the first of our new comic book review format shows, okay? Don't make us look bad in front of the other nerds, because it is review time in the ziggurat! You know, we've been using this format for several weeks now, right? Yep, this is the first time we've done it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You just wanted an excuse to do an all-new number one, just like always. <laughs> you heard the nerd, we're back in the new comics biz, and this week we've got everything from death metal Batman to female Zoros. But if you were to call them Lady Zoros, would you call them Ladies Zoro? Yes, Ladies Zoro. Like, uh, Ladies Zoro. Yeah, like uh, Surgeon's General. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Matt, before we get started here, I sure could use a drink. Justin, what have you brewed up for us this week, buddy? All right, nerds. So this week, I literally got a text message from Matt Bomb that says a cocktail that a death metal version of Superman or Wonder Woman and Batman could enjoy in a dystopian <laughs> DC future. Got anything? Well, Jesus Christ, that is a mouthful and a lot to think about. So after thinking about it for a good minute before being rushed to give you this this cocktail, uh, I can't. I started thinking about what what spirits in a dystopian future um, would still probably make it through and still be around if nothing more than being made underground. So I was also at the same time looking on different sites trying to find some kind of a cocktail that was in reference to just heavy metal or heavy metal band or heavy metal music or something and nothing I really found worked and then all of a sudden uh, on a couple different sites, uh, a cocktail builder, uh, drinkmixer.com, I just ran across the Henry Rollins. <laughs> yes, that Henry Rollins. That'll so work. Henry Rollins has his own cocktail, and it actually happens to be made with two spirits that I would, I think, would make it in just in a dystopian future. So Henry Rollins is literally just two ingredients, and they're equal parts, no matter how big or small you make the drink. You just put equal equal amount. Um, and it's uh, starting with either Jägermeister or I think you could also really get away with like Fernet Amaro, uh, Fernet Branca, uh, yeah, Fernet Branca for sure. Um, and then just Jack Daniels, just black Jack Daniels. Weird! Um, but every recipe that I saw um, literally kind of had equal parts, but everyone also suggested 
have both your Jack Daniels and your either Fernet or your Jaeger all in the freezer, super, super cold, and then just pour those equal parts in. This is a really great digestive. I'm gonna try it after I saw it. I didn't even wanna do any more research after that. I was like, okay, yes, the Henry Rollins, that's what we're going with. So yeah, I'd say to start, two ounces of Fernet or Jaeger as, as Henry would actually drink it himself, and then two ounces uh, Jack Daniels Black, Dunzo's, glass, ice if you want it. If it's in the freezer, maybe just drink it up. Um, I don't think you need to express any kind of fruit over it. I think this is go just going to be good to go. I'm actually going to try this one myself. You guys enjoy. Maybe Fernet. I am not doing that with fucking uh, Jägermeister. So, that sounds So Justin cool. thinks Jaeger's going to survive to the apocalypse? Yeah, probably. Is that what I'm hearing? Probably because those weirdos will never stop making it. They, it's like religious there. It's crazy. I thought it was going to be something like toilet hooch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> bathtub gin. I don't know. Joe Patrick, bottoms up. Excelsior, brother. Excelsior. Why don't you lead us off, sir? Oh, boy. That's right. All right. Well, I am kicking it off with Wind number one from Boom Studios. It is, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm thrown off already by the new format. I know, right? I, I got new comics in my head, and I wanted to read the solicit and the price. <laughs> and that's not what I we're know, here right? for anymore. <laughs> James Tinian the Four and Michael Dialinus, the acclaimed creative team of The Woods, reunites for this tale of a young boy forced to hide his magical nature from a world where it's been deemed illegal. This extra-sized first issue spends a lot of time building the world of P Pipe Town, uh, the blue-collar kingdom where Wind lives. While we don't get a ton of forward momentum from the actual plot, Tinian takes the time to help readers get to know the cast of characters that will undoubtedly follow Wind on his journey. The dialogue is great. The cast was very likable. Uh, I remember enjoying Dialinus's art from what little I saw of the woods, but it's really excellent here. He's adopted a very nice cartoony style that reminded me a lot of like Studio Ghibli uh, kind of aesthetic. Definitely. There was a weird spike in spectator interest, not spectator. There was a weird spike in speculator interest for some reason when uh, Wind Number One was announced uh, weeks before the book even came out. But for me, it lived up to the hype. I'm giving it a buy it. I like this and I thought it was fun and I love it when Tinian steps out. He also like worked on the woods, which we both really liked. And that series turned out to be fantastic. This was a little bit of a slow ish start. What do you say? There was a lot of cast building, yeah. not necessarily. And I'm not that there was necessarily yeah. a bad thing, but I, you know, I did notice it was a little slow-ish. I'm going to give it a buy it as well because I think this is going to be really good. And there's nothing wrong with building a little bit if you're getting to something. If it does this for three more issues, I could lose interest. But so far, well, sure, interested. And it's not like they didn't do anything. Like they spent a lot of time establishing relationships yeah. and how yeah. characters interact with each other. I'm not saying like I needed to see the kid kill somebody in the first issue or something. <laughs> Dang, you're but that might have you know lifted things a little bit. I don't know. All right, your turn. My turn. I'm doing Ludocrats number one and two because I'm a hardworking dog, ladies and gentlemen. From Image Comics, your creative team is writer Kieran Gillen and 
Jim Rossinall with art by Jeff Stokely and colors by Tamara Bonvillain. Imagine what would happen if Terry Gilliam decided he was going to make a comic book about a race of extra-dimensional beings trying to out-weird each other, and you get a rough idea of the story here. Gillen has been getting a lot of praise for his more serious work of late, and I'm happy that he's not afraid to fall back and do super wacky, whip-smart stuff like this. The ludocratic gang here is under assault by a robot police force that wants to normalize them, but who is behind the sinister plot? It's the main character's brother, I think, but, you know, we'll find out in issue three. <laughs> Ludocrats was nuts, and it is a visual feast thanks to Stokely and Bonvillain's hyper-animated art and colors. Gillen is just showing off, as usual, with his writing talents, but he's really good at it, and this is a genuinely funny adult comic that is in no danger of being adapted to TV due to its absolutely ludicrous plot that you just couldn't do it, okay? There is a woman that is a living train with steam for hair, and she has steel-belted labia that she mentions a lot. <laughs> Sorry, guys, this one is for Monty Python fans who love absurd highbrow comedy, so don't expect the boring masses to make you rich for this one. That said, count me amongst the ludicrous. I really enjoyed this. I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah, man. I mean, this was crazy. It, it was it was funny. It was absurd. The art and the coloring are legitimately stunning. Yeah, really. Like, I knew that Tamara Bonvillain was good, but when I opened that book and saw those colors just like shining out yeah. from the pages. Like I was so impressed. off the page. And there are characters that look like they were made of plastic. Characters that look like they were made of wood. Yeah. <laughs> it really impressive art. Yeah, I thought this was great. It gets a buy it from me as well. And full frontal male nudity. We don't get enough of that in comics these days. Hey, yeah. Ludo dicks, am I right? Back at you, Joe Patrick. Next up for me is Adventure Man, number one from Image Comics. Matt Fraction and Terry and Rachel Dodson reunite. You may recall that they had a run on Uncanny X-Men back in the day. Uh, they're telling the story of a single mom, Claire, and her young son, two fans of an almost forgotten series of novels featuring a wild cast of pulp adventure heroes. The Adventure Man series ended on a cliffhanger with the heroes facing almost certain doom. That's where things ended, or was it? And were they even fictional tales to begin with? <laughs> this is the sort of thing Fraction excels at, almost instantly creating a vivid world full of diverse and interesting characters, each of whom is hilariously hopped up on some sort of super soldier serum. Uh, they like, I can taste the, I can taste the moments between seconds. <laughs> He writes in the back matter that he had been working on this series with the Dodsons for years, and it really shows it's very well developed. Each member of the Adventure Man team has a backstory that I am dying to read. The jump to the present day opens up a huge world of possibilities for Claire and her son. The Dodsons artwork is impeccable. The character designs for the various villains and heroes are brilliant. And if the excellent story and art weren't enough, Adventure Man number one offers 64 pages of content for the regular price of just $3.99. This gets a huge buy it from me. Yeah, I really enjoyed this as well. I feel like the Dodsons are a couple that I would have just looked at 
character designs. If this was 64 pages of these ridiculous character designs with their names and them posing, <laughs> I would have been fine with that. But yeah. it's also really well written. Matt Fraction is a total badass, and I love that he's writing this. Don't get me wrong. I like sex criminals, but I feel like that's the only thing we've had from his output for the last five, six years. So it's nice to see him doing something else. I miss this guy. I truly Well, I mean, he's been doing him. Jimmy Olsen and, and okay, stuff I'm like that. Totally but. blanked on that. And you're right. But I miss this guy and I miss the way he writes comics and I want him to do more of this. The only thing I worry about is the Dodsons are notoriously slow. So this might be the only issue we get. <laughs> I hope there's well, more. They've been working on it since 2008. And, so and maybe they got 64 pages done in that time. <laughs> I don't know. I'm giving it a buy it as well because you're right. It just, there's nobody better than fraction at instantly dumping a world in your lap that you just go, fuck that all looks cool. I want to do that. Give me more adventure man. Yeah. Number one huge buy it. All right, Matt bomb. Uh, guess what? I didn't read this comic because when you told me, you didn't want to do two DC books this week. I assumed you meant you were going to stick with Strange Adventures. Well, you know, I wanted to touch on this one because Brian Azzarello was writing it. And this is Birds of Prey number one from DC Black Label. This actually came out on the third. But I'm a huge Brian Azzarello fan. And Brian Azzarello hasn't written any superhero stuff in quite a while. So I was interested to see where this was going. Uh, Manuela Lupa, Lupacino or Lupacino is on the art. Harley, in this issue, Harley breaks good, Dinah turns her back on a friend in need, and the Huntress is on the hunt for a new menace in Gotham. Oh, and it's Black Label, so they're all cussing, too. This is definitely the movie version of Harley. No question. She's still hung up on the Joker. This is probably the movie version of the Huntress. It is without a doubt the movie version of Renee Montoya, but... We get the same old Dinah Black Canary we know from the DCU, white girl, blonde hair, but this one is younger, in a band, and is basically Dinah from the movie, but white. I don't get it. <laughs> well, they did Dinah Lance in the band thing a few years back, if you recall. But that was, that came and left. We've had Dinah, like normal Dinah, running around too. And that Dinah didn't dress like this one. This one dresses like old school Black Canary. No question. Fishnets, leather top. It's a hodgepodge, man. Isn't it also, isn't it also, is it the, is it the DC version of Cassandra Kane or the movie version? She's not in this issue. I don't know. Oh, that might be a different Birds of Prey project yeah. that they're dragging through Quite Black Label. possibly. I don't know. Azrael's script is Good. He develops like some very cool new villains that are coming to Gotham. It makes sense why the Huntress is there. I just don't understand what is going on with these other characters. Why do you not just lean into the movie characters and do that if that's what you want to do? By the way, aside from one severed head stick and a few f bombs and a couple shits here and there, there is no reason this needs to be black label. Other than it's a strange hodgepodge of the movie characters and the regular DC characters. I do not understand what they are trying to get across with Black Label. And dropping a couple F-bombs is not going to sell this to adults. I'm giving okay. it a skim it because the art is very good and the script is not bad. I just don't know what this is. Okay, you got to stop thinking of Black Label only as the mature reader's imprint. 
but that's what it is now. No, it's also the place where they put stories that they want to tell that don't necessarily fit into main DC continuity. Ugh, like Superman year one. I, I just, this was confusing. It was weird. And it's just, I feel like they're just muddying the waters. And for people that don't know that are trying to get into comics, maybe they don't care. Maybe they don't give a shit and they're not going to think about it. But me, I just kept going, why? Why are we doing it this way? What is this? It's weird. Like, I think they wanted to capitalize on the success of the movie, which I get. But you give us a totally different Dinah Lance where everyone else is totally recognizable to the movie. I don't get it. So they it was originally supposed to be a relaunched Birds of Prey series. And then for whatever reason, they decided to retool it as a black label thing. And then I think it's just a one shot now. It honestly feels like they tried to retool it. And all they did was add a couple cuss words and a severed head joke. That's it. Because the yeah. rest of this could have played out in any DC book, without a doubt. Yeah. They try, I think they were trying to take a swing at that movie audience and they bungled it. And then the quarantine hit and that got it even further jacked up. And so we have this mess now there that they go. paid for and had to put out. Yeah. I, I just don't understand what it was. It, it, it was fine. It was fine. I just don't know what it was. Well, I'm happy I didn't read it. Yeah, you're not missing anything. You're up next. All right. I am now reviewing. That was awkward. Yeah. My next (laughs) review. Sorry. I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of Parks and Recreation while I work. And so I'm like really channeling Perd Happily. (laughs) Okay. The subject of my next review is a book that I'm reviewing. (laughs) The Scent of May Rain from Weekend Warrior Comics. The Scent of May Rain is a one-shot telling the life story of a golem over the course of 100 years, originally created as a mother figure for the daughter of a widowed art historian. Adopting the name Esther, she struggles to find meaning for her life even when it runs contrary to the rigid expectations placed on her by her creator, by Jewish culture, and by society. She starts out as this naive blank slate, just following her quote unquote programming, but quickly begins to grow and learn through her exposure to arts and the theater and her unexpected journey towards discovering her own identity was extremely compelling. Uh, That's thanks to an excellent script by Ray Epstein and Mark Stack. We've reviewed uh, some of their past projects on the show. Kaylee Rowena handles the art and colors for the story And her deceptively simple, sketchy line work and exaggerated characters reminded me of the great work by Matt Kent in projects like Mind Management or Department H, where it's just like, clearly this is not an anatomical drawing. It's more like an impressionist drawing of a a person, right? like super exaggerated facial features and fingers. But she's also doing it to create mood. And feeling yes. in a way right, that, exactly. that you wouldn't get if it were hyper-realistic. Yeah, right, exactly. You know what I mean? She leans heavily on a palette of sepia tones that give the art kind of an aged feel that mirrors Esther's century-long journey. Uh, it also kind of invokes the feeling of the clay and the mud that she was born from. The Scent of May Rain was an exceptional and emotional examination of someone breaking free of the destiny they were born into and making their own. You can find it at WeekendWarriorComics.com. I'll put the link in the notes. I'm giving it a buy it. It was great. 
I did not have a chance to read this, but I did look at some of the preview stuff, and her art is very, very cool. Way to go, genius. Well, I link all my comics, so, you know, you can find them. But. I told you where all the comics that I reviewed this week were, were located in, the, in our folders. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my next review yeah. is A Man Among Ye, number one, from Top Cow slash Image. Still a thing. Here's a creative team. It was written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Greg Cermak. Two of pirate history's most famous swashbuckling women get the comic treatment in this tale from the golden age of pirates on the high seas. This is the origin of Anne Bonny and Mary Reed as illustrated by Voltron artist Greg Cermak. By the way, that guy kicks ass and his Voltron book was really good. Phillips instantly makes the main characters interesting and likable without playing up their sexuality. It does seem like the two main characters sort of speak in a very modern tone, while others sort of lean full historic dialogue, but it didn't bother me that much. Cermak's art is excellent. It's very clean. It creates great action scenes as pirates are overtaking a British galleon in the opening. I think they're called galleons, right? I didn't just make that sure. up, right? Fun <laughs> Fans of Black Sails will both recognize the characters' names and feel right at home here in this new monthly, loosely historical pirate comic. I had a lot of fun with this one, and I'm giving it a buy it. Uh, I mean, it was fine. I I just, I wasn't that interested in it. You hate pirates. Just say it. I hate no, pirates. No, <laughs> it has nothing to do with, with the, the subjects being female. It has nothing to do with the art, which I did think was very good. Uh, the story was well told. I just don't find this kind of story interesting. I, I, I'm not compelled by pirate comics unless there's like a hook, you know? No pun intended, right? I guess. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm giving it a skimmate just because it wasn't for me. It is well done. It's a story well told. The art, like you said, is gorgeous. It just... It just isn't really my cup of tea. I do think there's definitely a challenge at play when you're writing something like a pirate comic book. I just feel like they did a good job at that, and I would read more. My last review, it's the one you've been waiting for. It's Dark Knights, Death Metal, number one from DC Comics. Let's get one thing straight right off the bat, Scott Snyder. Sergeant Rock was in the army, not the Marines. So get your oohs out of here. <laughs> now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the first issue of the sequel to the most incomprehensible event of the past 10 years. Death Metal number one picks up immediately after Snyder's final issue of Justice League from six months ago. And no joke. Some stuff has happened. <laughs> Nobody quite knows. You know who do, Paradise, you, you know who definitely doesn't know? The reader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Paradise Island is now hell on earth and Wonder Woman is the warden. The Batman who laughs is the ruler of all he surveys or at least all that Perpetua lets him survey. Superman is a prisoner somewhere. Batman is a fugitive and Sergeant Rock is talking to himself. I wasn't clear on who he was talking to. Without revealing too many spoilers, Snyder weaves in the threads from nearly every event DC has ever published, including Doomsday Clock and Flash Forward, in an attempt to smash them all together into a coherent history. There are some fun twists. Greg Capullo's art is fantastic. And the whole thing is so bombastic that I couldn't help but enjoy myself. But it is also completely impenetrable. <laughs> 
I can't imagine handing this to a reader curious about what DC has going on with no knowledge of what Snyder had been doing in his other books and expecting them to make any sense of it. I read his entire run on Justice League and I still couldn't make sense of it. Maybe when it's all said and done, Dark Knight's death metal will feel like a complete satisfying story. Right now, it just seemed like a collection of cool moments that just didn't really have a, a, a clear narrative. I'm giving it a skim it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, and we talked about it last week on Cover to Cover, and I want to talk about this more this week on Cover to Cover. I'm wondering if this is the leftover stuff that was sort of planned for that huge timeline that we looked at, that they're like, well, we've already written it, and we paid Greg Capullo to draw it. I mean, let's just put it out. Screw it. No, you know, I mean, I don't think this has anything to do with the generation stuff. See, but, but the, there's, uh, it touches on some of that stuff. It touches on everything. It's insane. It touches on stuff from the past. Yeah, it, like, I just don't know what they're doing here, and it's got to be more than shits and giggles because of the work that obviously went into it. There's research here. They went out of their way to tie some really weird shit together that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> and I yeah. just, I don't know, again... What is this? I don't know what this is. I don't know what to do. I've been reading comics for 40 years, since I was five years old. I cannot imagine if this was my first comic book, if I picked this up, I cannot <laughs> fathom what I would think of it. You, you know, know what? what I mean? I'm not going to lie. If, 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 this was, if I was, you know, five years old and this was my first comic, I'd probably think it was rad as hell. I... Which Maybe I don't. Know. I think is its entire selling point. <laughs> yeah, could be. I, I just don't know who this was for. I don't know what it is. I'm giving it a skim it again because Greg Capullo's art absolutely intense. Scott Snyder definitely put in the work. They didn't just crap this out. He's thinking about something. <laughs> I just don't know what it is. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> he swears up and down that when death metal is over, everything that DC's ever done is going to make total sense. I'm like, uh. All right. I would be well, willing to put $500 down on the fact that no. And maybe it does to him, and that's not an argument, you know? That's like the, the psychotic killer is like, yeah, well, God told me to kill all those kids, so I know I'm right, even though I'm in prison. I mean, good for you, but there's <laughs> <laughs> a huge but there. I can only give this a skim it at best. All right, Matt, take us home. My final review goes to Lady Zorro. I was feeling the lady power this week from American Mythology. It's written by Pat Shan with art by Vincenzo Caratu. Caratu. I don't know. Lady Zorro in this one stumbles upon a supernatural mystery while protecting a terrorized Indian tribe. This Lady Zorro comes out of nowhere. I really don't know anything about her. And they just sort of set up in the beginning. There's some front matter where they just say, you know what? It was time to do a Lady Zorro. And you don't need an origin. You don't need to know much about her. All you need to know is that she's a total badass. She's a little more of a paladin than her male counterpart. And she is not afraid to kill the hell out of a bad guy. There's some really good action scenes here. And I totally dug the supernatural aspect. This Lady Zorro book really surprised me because some of the other stuff that American Mythology puts out is very much cheesecake bullshit. And I kind of thought that's what I was going to get into here. The character was strong. She was never sexualized. She was very well written and even more badass than most of the male Zorro stuff I've read. 
Really nice art by Karatu as well. And I apologize. I know I'm butchering that. This was a nice little surprise. And I'm giving this lady Zoro number one a buy it. Yeah, you know, it was okay. It was pretty decent. Uh, again, I'm not a huge Zoro fan. Uh, like you said earlier, uh, I was when I heard Lady Zoro, I immediately remember an Ashcan comic that I got bagged in a, I think it was an issue of Wizard or something, for a Zoro spinoff featuring a redheaded woman in a half untied bustier oh, yeah. and hot pants. That was tops, right? Tops fighting. put that out. Tops, yes. Yeah. Tops comes. And I was like, oh, that's Lady Zoro. I misremembered her name was Lady Rawhide. Oh, that was Lady Rawhide. But I believe but there was, was a Lady Zoro that was at Tops as well. It, it was a Zoro spinoff. Lady Rawhide was a spinoff of that that run. Okay. And so, like you said, I was like, oh, God, this is what we're getting. Yeah. But no, this was just like a solid adventure story with a no-nonsense, take-no-prisoners female version of Zorro. Yeah, and like some believable uh, like Native American stuff going on. Like they did some research yeah. and I mean, this was good. <laughs> I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. The art was great. I'm giving it a buy it. Peter, Joel Caldo, casual comics guy. Fine. And I thought it would be perfect to give you a rendition in the uh, comic book theater style of the onomatopoeia I have of the week. It is volume two, number three. My onomatopoeia of the week is Dr. Professor from God Hates Astronauts having an existential crisis. Here we go. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Comic Book Theater. Freak the fuck out. This has been Comic Book Theater. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for everything you do. Uh, love listening to the show, especially while we're in lockdown here. Uh, look forward to chatting with you live soon sometime. Peace out, guys. Joe freaking Bankus bringing it home with the onomatopoeia wow. of the week. It's got the heat. Brought he, the heat. He submitted this one on the Two-Headed Nerd hotline, 402-819-4894. You can do the same. Actually, no. He submitted this via MP3 to twoheadednerd.gmail.com. If you're feeling badass and you've got some uh, editing chops, let's hear them. Send us an onomatopoeia of the week. Just make sure you let us know what issue it's from, say the sound, and say what is making that sound. And we'll play it right here on the show. We just did it. Joe Bankus, congratulations. You're going to have sex with a bunch of strangers on the internet, sir. But boom It's that easy. Well, now that we've ripped the new comics band-aid off, there's no going back. It's time to retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum and smear some sacrificial moloid blood on our eyes and meditate on our must-read picks for next Wednesday, June 24th. Matt Bomb. What's your pick? My pick for next week is, let me find it. That Texas Blood, number one from Image. It is written by Chris Condon. It's got art by Jacob Phillips. It's 32 pages for $3.99. And here is your solicit. Series premiere! Well, it's a number one, so no shit. Criminal colorist and first-time solo artist Jacob Phillips and writer Chris Condon break onto the scene with a brand new ongoing series. Like Paris, 
Texas gut-punched by no country for old men, this mature neo-western crime series kicks off when the search for a casserole dish leads to a dark and tense confrontation on Sheriff Joe Bob Coates' 70th birthday. Here's a quote from uh, Chip Zdarsky. You may have heard of him. Chris and Jacob pull off something remarkable here, a vivid and bright story that nails a thorough sense of foreboding and darkness. A shocking amount of talent for a duo so fresh to comics. That's what you uh, He's Canadian, you know. Nah, it's what he sounds like, though. It's weird. I can't explain oh. it. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Joe Patrick, what's your pick for next week? My pick for next week is Danger Devil, number one from Source Point Press. Get this. Written by occasional THN love slave Tony Doug Wright, with art by Joseph Hamerl. <laughs> Hamerl? Hamerl? Hammerly. It's 36 pages for $3.99, and here's your solicit. A bounty hunter from the underworld, a demonic goddess, a cursed mythical kingdom rising from the depths of below, and a mouthy 12-year-old are no match for Danger Devil and her sidekick, Kid Diablo. I really like the name Danger these, Devil. That's great. These masked agents from the Mystic Bureau are dedicated to protecting the world from all supernatural threats, especially the Order of Mathalia, an ancient society hellbent on returning the Wicked One to her throne as the ruler of the ancient civilization of Tragmagnar. Yeah, that sounds really bad, right? <laughs> TD Dubs, these names are awesome. No shit. <laughs> uh, this is not the first time we have been blessed by work from our friend tony uh we reviewed his comic i think it was uh day 184 day 194 it was day something something it definitely something. left a mark and that's his, why we remember it it was that good <laughs> yeah well i remember it It was good it was a, his supernatural uh world war ii comic no we liked it yeah we definitely dug it and this looks like a ton of fun i am excited he has already sent us a copy to read and that will definitely be on the docket for next Wednesday. THN Trade of the Week. Pay attention, nerds. It's Insider Art, the trade paperback from Gumroad. It's written and drawn by Various. Can't say a whole lot about them, but I can say a lot about this. It's 270 pages. That's a lot of pages for 10 bucks. Here's your solicit. Over 250 pages. Yeah, 270. Why didn't they say over 269 pages? Of comics, crafts, and cats have been created by over 100 female and non-binary comic book writers and artists from around the world to raise money for female and non-binary comic book retailers who've been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. All proceeds go to the Insider Art Female and Non-Binary Comic Book Retailer Fund. For more information, contributor bios, and other ways to help, check out insiderart.net. Ten bucks, jerks. Okay? Ten bucks. You don't even have to read it. Maybe you're a comics, uh, maybe you're a comics gate hater shithead. Whatever. Ten bucks. You're helping people out. Just throw it out well, there I mean, and pretend like I mean, it went Matt, to something evil. You I know? think you have a <laughs> fundo, fundamental misunderstanding of the comics gate sh shithead haters. They're not going to gonna be giving chance. ten bucks I'm trying to, give to the female chance, and non-binary comic book fund. I'm opening my heart. Okay? It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Uh, Gumroad is not the publisher. It is kind of like the host. It's like an online thing where you can, uh, sort of like panel syndicate, you yeah. know, you can give the money and then download, uh, the book. Um, Gumroad is very cool though. They put out, a, they're like a label sort of. 
Sort of, yeah. Highly recommended. Please check this out. It's absolutely for a good cause. Uh, this is probably not, at least not yet, going to be available at your local comic book shop, but please do hit up your local comic shop and add these comics and all the comics we talked about this week to your pull files so you can read along at home and let us know what you're reading too over at the damn Facebook page, why don't you? He's going to start throwing in things like damn shit. <laughs> throw them in the you script. put damn in the script. <laughs> yeah, over at our damn Facebook page. Comic pushers have been quiet for some time now, but rumors of their demise have been greatly exaggerated. We're back, nerds, and we're rolling in our lowered spider buggy, slinging highly addictive reads to all the nerdy boys and girls in the hood. Now this week, we have got an audio submission from the THN Hotline. Hey, two-headed nerd, this is Christine. And last week, I went into the comic book store to grab my pull file, and sad news, I had no new comics. Um, I just kind of stood in the store, and I didn't know what to do. It's kind of hard to just grab a new comic on the fly. You don't want to start halfway through the story, and, like, that's probably why I don't actually do much Marvel comics. But So what I do love is a lot of image, and some of my latest faves have been Wicked and Divine, Wayward, uh, Rat and Die has been amazing, and I'll give Marvel its due. Runaways has pretty, been pretty awesome. So, can you guys give me some recommendations? Thanks. Christine, you came to the right damn place. Joe Patrick, what do we have for this lovely lady? Well, Christine, I suggest that you do what the two-headed nerd did when faced with the reality of no new comics, and that's old comics. <laughs> I'm not saying back issues necessarily, but you certainly can. Sure. Uh, in this in this day and age of trade paperbacks for everything, uh, I think that now is a great time to maybe find something from the past that you may not have experienced as a relatively new comic book fan. I'm assuming she's relatively new. I don't think she specified that. but uh, So when she says that she enjoyed Runaways... Uh, I, I'm guessing she's talking about the current volume by our friend Rainbow Rowell. Have you read Brian K. Vaughn's Runaways? That's a good question. It's all in print, I'm sure. And it should be easy to find. It's They collected every issue of it. And when Vaughn was done, Joss Whedon took over. So there's like a huge library of older Runaways comics that I would absolutely recommend uh, along those same lines. Though a little bit more tied to uh, ongoing continuity, I've been rereading some of the Young Avengers comics by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung. God, they're so good. They're Damn, so those good. comics are great. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm really digging on right now in the realm of, like, older comics while we've been waiting for new comics to, to get gear ba- geared back up. Yeah, I'm with Joe here as well. I'm going to go for some older stuff just due to the fact that New stuff is starting to trickle out, so maybe it's not the best time to just jump on to a new series. But I will say, you mentioned Die, and Kieran Gillen is a writer that I also very much enjoy. He just so happened to have a wonderful run on a Marvel book called Journey into Mystery, which followed Loki as a character. It was so much fun. I cannot stress how good this comic was and it sort of came out of a really 
well, let's just call it what it was. It was a shitty <laughs> event comic called Fear Itself. But what he did with Loki in that book was so wonderful. And I believe there are three volumes of it. They're all in print currently. And now it's called Loki Journey into Mystery by Kieran Gillen. I think there were originally a lot more than three volumes, but I think they've collected them in those larger. Yes. Like essential collections or whatever they call them. But it just, it's that whip smart dialogue. Kieran Gillen probably writes the best Loki I've ever read. At this time, Loki was reduced to a kid, basically. He was a teenage kid <laughs> and running around. Yeah, he's a smarmy little shit. He's got a murder dog that can talk that used to be, that was supposed to be Thor's pet, but has to hang out with Loki now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Along those same lines, when that book continued with Lady Sif as the star and Catherine Immonen was writing it, uh, it was also excellent. Journey into Mystery starring Lady Sif. Yes, um, wonderful. But speaking of Kieran Gillen, I can't believe I forgot. I think it was last year. I've lost all sense of time. Uh, Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora launched a new book from Boom Studios that was such a huge success that they upgraded it from a mini to an ongoing. It's called Once and Future. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. It's, uh, it's about like Buffy, the vampire slayer, if she was a grandma, teaching her grandson about all the shitty British evil folklore that's real and how she has been the only one like standing in the gap protecting the kingdom from these monsters. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's so good. It really is fantastic stuff. I would also suggest, final suggestion, uh, we talked about Matt Fraction earlier in this show. He wrote a book called Casanova for Image, and it was drawn by oh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Baugh. They are two wonderfully talented South American artists. Casanova was a love story. It was an action adventure. It was sci-fi. It was fantasy. It was like us, everything, and it was sort of put together in this golden age Hollywood kind of storytelling. It, it was is, like a classic spy or heist. It's all there. It's all yeah. there, and it's just wonderful. Super smart dialogue, beautiful art, and just a lovely ending. It ended so perfectly. I can't stress how great that book is. Go out. You can get the entire collected thing at your comic shop right now. And please let us know what you think of these reads. We want to know. Don't leave us hanging. Call us back and say, you guys are insane. Casanova was for crazy people. And I can't believe Joe would suggest once in future. That book's a piece of garbage. And we'll be like, hey, maybe we'll do better next time. Who knows? You know? Or maybe we won't. We don't learn lessons here. Yeah, it's true. And we don't care either because we don't have feelings. So there. We're the Seinfeld, we're the Seinfeld of podcasts. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> what a nihilistic way to end this. Christine, thank you for your call. And if you. Thanks for your call, Christine. We don't care. <laughs> and if you need some new comics in your stack, maybe it's, it's looking super empty or you just want to help your comic shop out. Call us, 402-819-4894. Shoot us an email, subject comic pushers. Tell us what you're into, and we will tell you what to read. That's perfect. Excelsior! Oh. <laughs> that is it for THN 578, and next week... 
We're dragging one of the love slaves out to do some work here. Ryan Mount is going to take a look. It's in a book for a change when he reviews Old Head right here on the show. Let's not tell him until he hears this live. What do you say? Yeah, he's hearing this right now for the first time. <laughs> Joe Patrick, until then, why don't you set these nerds up with a new question of the week? Speaking of Hebrews, this week's question was submitted by Ryan via the THN forums. With cons canceled for the year, one major thing we lose out on is finding artists to commission. While most of us don't have the extra money to shell out to names working at Marvel, DC, and Image, there are still plenty of artists out there. How do you go about finding artists for commissions during this time? Bonus question. What are some of your favorite commissioned art pieces that you've uh, purchased? His example, he got a David LaFuente Moon Knight when he was at a local con where Ryan is from. He still can't believe it. He's dumbfounded. I love Ryan Mount. Hebrews is the sweetest guy in the world. If I were to go to his house, it would be hard for me not to hurt him and take that Moon Knight from him. And I would not feel bad either. I, uh, I he's already posted some of his answers on the forums, so if you want to go and take a look, you know what to do. I'm just saying, I would sleep fine that night. It would not be an issue. THN Cover to Cover is back and the new home for our nerd news segment, so call us at 402-819-4894 or shoot an MP3 of your answers to the question of the week to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. You could and will be internet famous. Remember, please... Keep it to two minutes or less. We've got to share the air with all the other nerds out there. You can tune in to our Facebook page every Saturday at 1030 a.m. Central Time for the nerd news. The phone lines open at 11 so you can call in and play along with us live. If you're new to the show and you'd rather Lady Zorro insert a catheter into you than listen to any more of these, than listen to any more of our bullshit, I assure you it is only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN and our digital long box archive over at Two Headed Nerd, but hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like Michael Severe, who finally ponied up and liked our show on Facebook after years of, quote, friendship and, quote, support. It is about goddamn time, Michael. And I know you're not listening to sports podcasts because there aren't any sports yet. So you're going to hear this second after whatever podcast is in front of us. By the way, that's bullshit. If your real friend would be number one. Anyway. Yeah, man. We moved up from six. What do you want? <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to our dear friend, Andrea Shockling, who's not only celebrating her birthday today, but she's also one of the contributors for the Insider Art Anthology Project mentioned earlier in the show. That's right. She's a various. I didn't know she was a various. That's, That's I've right. known her for so long. Word to you, Andrea. I'm just hearing this now. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just scratch out your name on your pull file and write in various and hand it out to several people without faces or names. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. For more THN, head over to our Patreon at Patreon backslash Two-Headed Nerd where this week, donating patrons can check out Casey and I's chronological rewatch of the X-Men movies. It all starts with X-Men First Class. Get over there and check it out, and thank you for supporting Two-Headed Nerd.